You're listening to 30 Minute Expert. I'm Katie. And I'm Zach. Every episode, I challenge Zach to become an expert on a totally random topic. And if that's not hard enough, I only have 30 minutes to do it. We want to prove that no matter who you are, or how much education you have, with a little help from the internet, anyone can become an expert on any topic in the world. How are you feeling, Zach? Better now that you started recording. Oh my gosh. Uh, guys, I started talking and I didn't hit record, but luckily all I said was how are you feeling and Zach caught it right then. But we're rolling now. Yes. Uh, and I'm feeling uh, just great. How are you? Great. It's been a nice weekend. Little I got sunburned? Some... Yeah, I got some sun. But, you know, that's what happens when you don't go outside for like five months in a row and then you finally go outside. You forget... How to apply sunscreen correctly, I guess. And that sun gets you. Yeah. It's hot here this weekend. <sighs> I know. That's why I'm staying inside. I know. It's been nice, though. It's so nice to just be out in the nature. It's been good. I'm glad you like it. Thank you. Well, while I'm out frolicking in nature, you get to study for a topic All for right. this podcast. I'm ready for it. But I have a topic that I think you're really going to like, so I think you'll enjoy studying. Okay, great. Even better. Mm-hmm. Um, you going to tell me? Yeah, I'll tell you. Okay. If you want to know. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty much ready. Okay. The topic is the Rosetta Stone. No, nah, I don't want to do that one. Give me a different one. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I kidding. knew you'd like this. Yeah, one. oh, definitely. That's also, a- you're not allowed to say no, so too bad. This is true. Uh, no, this is a great one. I'm this. Yeah, okay. This is going to be cool. This feels like this is exactly what I like to learn about stuff cool. that is yeah. mm-hmm. old and um, I don't know, important. Yeah, I'd especially say like an artifact like that. Like that's super. I'm I'm into this. Cool. Just to clarify, we're talking about the old stone with the languages. Not the company that teaches languages on the the internet or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. I don't think it even is on the internet. It's software. I hope I remember that when I start studying. Because if I come back and it's all about the software, then... uh, I'm going to make you study again. No, well, okay. I was going to (laughs) say we'll just have an entirely different episode. Nope. You're the boss. I'm the boss. Go forth and learn. Okie doke. So, I don't know. Maybe maybe people don't really know what the Rosetta Stone is. I didn't fully know what it yeah, was, obviously. Yeah, I, I don't think I honestly really know what it is. I have an idea in my head, but I don't feel com- confident. I wouldn't even feel confident at a dinner party telling someone. So, please, start from the beginning. I wouldn't feel confident at a dinner party doing anything. <laughs> uh, the Rosetta Stone is a literal stone. Nice. Like a solid piece of stone granite black granite i'm gonna keep getting more specific uh it's about three feet nine inches tall by about two and a half feet give or take uh and 11 inches thick oh that's thick yeah so it's a that thing will be heavy uh, yeah i i saw one place i didn't confirm this this seemed unbelievably heavy but uh like i said i didn't confirm it but it said it was uh it either said like 1160 pounds or 1600 pounds. I can't remember. Either way, that both of those sound 
extraordinarily heavy and maybe heavier than it looks. Yeah. So I was like, I don't know if that's true. Because, I mean, mean, you know, four feet by two and a half feet by a foot thick, it's like, that's a huge chunk, obviously. But over a thousand pounds or 1,600 pounds, that seems excessive yeah i don't know how heavy granite is though maybe it's yeah that's heavy. true that's gonna be heavier than just like a regular uh, yeah rock. yeah but i don't know maybe yeah i agree though that seems excessive either way try to pick it up guarantee it's heavy yeah guarantee it hurts i back. bet you can't do it no i bet you can't either also i'd love to see you try you'd probably get shot by a british museum cop <laughs> probably so uh don't do that uh it was found because here's the thing I'm just going to, we'll, we'll lay it all out. The Rosetta Stone mm-hmm. is an ancient stone that has carvings on it in three different languages. And that's very important that there are three different languages carved onto it. Cool. Uh, it was found in 1799, uh, about 35 miles outside of Alexandria, Egypt. Okay. And if you remember from the Alexander the Great episode, that city was named by alexander the great when he for himself took it over uh in 13 actually he found the city founded the city mm-hmm. um after he took over the you know egypt mm-hmm. in 1332 okay bc so... bc 13 or sorry i'm screwing this up 332 bc big difference there yeah but really not to us okay what's the difference <laughs> uh 332 bc alexander the great founds alexandria egypt so this is a really old place we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's not like a real clear story on how the stone was found. I mean, I imagine them just like kind of sifting through sand and it's like, oh shoot, they see something like keep scraping the sand off and then it like reveals this whole thing. That's, that's how I imagine fun. you find yeah, things If it in were Egypt. an Indiana Jones movie, that's how they would do it. Absolutely. Uh, either way, they found it in 1799 in the city of Rashid. AKA Rosetta. Like, that's what. Oh, okay. The in English, you call it Rosetta. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was found by French soldiers. So, I'll give you a little backstory. I'm going to make this super quick and I'm just going to blow through it. Great. Basically, Napoleon led a campaign into Egypt, which was run by uh, this Islamic group called Mambuks, who were mm-hmm. former slaves turned soldiers who established their own independent dynasty in Egypt and Syria. So Napoleon and uh, and the French, they capture Alexandria, and then Napoleon heads to Cairo. Uh, while this is going on, the British Navy attacks French troops in the Mediterranean, and the Mambuks, uh, they are fighting back against the French. French soldiers up still in Alexandria find the Rosetta Stone just, just by chance. Mm-hmm. Um, they look at it, they're like, this seems important. They send it off to Cairo to be examined by... People smarter than them, uh, including Napoleon himself. Uh, I don't know how smart he was, but okay. I don't know either, but he saw it. He touched it. He he like you know. He's one of the first. He's the first one of the first. Yeah, I mean, it was his subordinates who found it and then handed it over to him. Interesting. Uh, He he kept getting whipped by the British. Eventually, signed the Treaty of Alexandria in 1801, which meant that he had to. leave Egypt, kind of give give back Alexandria and Cairo, like just get out of there, mm-hmm. and fork over um, all significant artifacts that they found to the British. Oh, okay. So that's the backstory. That's why a French soldier found this thing, because they were so there. So he really found it 
by accident. He, yeah, 100%. It no, wasn't this was at not all. an archaeological yeah, dig. Yeah. They weren't looking for anything. Oh, and by the way, that well... was from uh, Nutty History on YouTube. That little Oh, rundown. very nice. Nutty um, History, cute. Yeah, so they, they, they this guy found it. He, his name was either Bouchard or Broussard. Um, I the guess, guy who found it? Yeah, they just don't know. Oh. He's he lucky we listened soon, to his name at all. Yeah. I know. Uh, so he found this, this stone and... Um, recognized that it was probably important so mm-hmm. like i said passed it up the well the you know what chain. good on boo bruchard because <laughs> if he if he just saw it and didn't care and brushed it aside maybe it would still be lost to history at this moment so good probably for you. that and a lot of other things would be lost to history as we will oh. come to learn oh yeah, yeah. so uh th- so the stone initially um they think that it was probably part of a like temple Oh. Like, um, like in like, a wall? Of yeah, almost something? like a plaque, you know? But yeah, it's like, yeah. well, back then a plaque was a stone carving yeah. on a stone wall, so the mm-hmm. chunk that's left behind is not a little. That's a thick wall. 11 inches yeah. of granite. Also stone. Yeah, I don't really get I don't really get it, but that's what I read anyway, that okay. it, they think it was part of a temple. But this is the crazy thing when they found it, um, so they found it just like buried. Mm-hmm. But they where where it was, they think it was probably after um so the temple that let's say it in theory resided in back in you know, whenever it was inscribed, mm-hmm. um, they think that the Romans came through and ordered all non Christian temples to be destroyed, so um, it would have been destroyed then and then very chill of them. They think that the stone was probably used as building material in a different building. Wow. So when they found it, they're like, this is probably the ruins of a totally unrelated building that, like, the stone had no significance in other than it was a substantial piece of hardware. Man, Uh, way to make it hard to figure it out. Yeah, so, so, okay, anyway, this guy finds it, um, passes it along to to Napoleon, French end up surrendering in 1801, and then the stone gets passed off to the British, where uh, it now resides in London in the British Museum. Okay. And you can go see it. That is cool. I honestly didn't know that you could go see the Rosetta Stone right now. Yeah, it's on display. If you try to touch it, well, first of all, there's glass all around it, Mm -hmm. so you'd have to break that glass. And then, like I said, you'll probably get shot by a British (laughs) Museum cop. All right. Um, Don't try and touch the artifacts. (laughs) No. Well, here's the great thing. You don't have to risk getting shot because they have a replica there that you can touch. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. And you can, because carvings, you could like run your fingers over it, feel what it's like. Yeah, I think it's just plastic, but exactly the same same exact dimensions and looks just like it. Uh, Cool. Uh, I guess they used to let you touch the real one, which is so, like, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. And people then, were dumb, like, yeah. fairly recently. Like, <laughs> why would you let people run their fingers all over it? Right. Uh, but anyway, so the significance of the stone. Like, mm-hmm. what is the stone? We haven't even said yet. No. You just told me that it had three languages and it was really thick. Very thick. Uh, and probably heavy, but not as heavy as that one person thought. That's what I think. <laughs> Until this stone was found and studied... No one on, and this is the significance. Uh-huh. No one on Earth knew how to read ancient Egyptian uh, hieroglyphics. Wow! So we all know what hieroglyphics are. All the things written on the the walls and tombs and every, it was all the that ancient, old, Egyptian ancient Egyptian writing Egyptian, system, exactly. Right, and it and all it those kind markings of like... where it's like pharaohs and then just like weird. I mean, weird to us, little yeah. lines and a bird and a, and arrows and stuff like that that just. 
Yeah, it was their system of lang- of writing, and we just don't use it anymore. Right. And I guess everyone and no one had did. For a, a thousand years or yeah. two thousand years. Um, wow. So, like, there was just no leads. Mm-hmm. No one, this is completely foreign. It's an alien language. Like, mm-hmm. how do you even begin to decipher it? You can't, really. Yeah. It's, you, you can't. Mm-hmm. Um, and what makes it especially hard, and we'll get into this a little bit, is, uh, you know, people make ciphers now, like codes, and they can be extremely hard to crack, but they're crackable usually once you figure out what language they're in, and mm-hmm. that allows you to kind of do like a, a one-to-one uh, figuring out like character by character. But the thing with hieroglyphics is that th- it, it was such a strange language in that a marking and you know a marking can be anything from from uh, what would look like it would probably be a letter mm-hmm. to uh, a marking could be a drawing like a you know an, an image where that image that marking could signify either um like something phonetically like a word like like you mm-hmm. sound that that marking out or that marking can symbolize a general idea or that marker mm-hmm. marking can be a summation of what they had just written on the previous line. Wow. So you don't even know what you're looking at. You can't even look at it and be sure that that's a word. Mm-hmm. So so it's like, well, how do you even begin to, yeah. to break that? It's an entirely different system than we're than we deal with now. Exactly. On the stone, uh, the Rosetta Stone, like I said, three languages, which is huge because assuming fingers crossed it's the same thing written in mm-hmm. all three languages in, this stone in other hand fingers crossed is that one of the languages is something that we can read yeah right mm-hmm. because if that's three unreadable languages that doesn't well, help no at all help, yeah <laughs> no help uh the three languages on there were the hieroglyphics uh-huh. which again we could not read uh, another language called demotic which was a demotic yes. how do you spell that um D-E-M-O-T-I-C, like demonic, but with a T yeah. instead of a C. Demotic. Uh, a T instead of an N, rather. It was a cursive Egyptian that I, like what I read was, it's a little more formal. Like, um, it was used on like business documents mm-hmm. and things that were supposed to be uh, easily understood, like the common person could understand it. And I think it was a little more contemporary of the time this was uh, written. Oh, interesting. Um, like I've it, never it heard was of like this. the more used, just day to day type of writing, uh, which people still didn't know how to read. Okay. But then, luckily, it also uh, has inscribed on it the same message mm-hmm. in ancient Greek, which had never been lost. People mm. have, I mean, Greek is a really, really old language. Mm-hmm. It's been around thousands of years, um, and it's changed a lot. But it's it's kind of always been tracked. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it, even if you you know you get something in ancient Greek, even if you read ancient Greek, you might not be able to look at it and just instantly read it. But right. like it can be figured out for sure. Mm-hmm. If not, just read pretty much. Yeah, in there's, broken Greek. There's probably you know? yeah scholars who are great at ancient Greek and they sure. can do it. Sure, but I take it back. Like going that far back, um, there was just a lot of variation and a lot of. Even today, regional thing, you know, mm-hmm. you could read writing today from somebody from a, a unique neighborhood or something yeah. like that and not know what a word means or something right. like that. Well, so. it's the same in any language. Like, even when we read yeah, Shakespeare, true. if you're not, a, you know, 
connoisseur of Shakespeare, there's you can't understand it half the time because you're you don't know what this word means or how is he using this in this context? And and that wasn't even that long ago. Yeah, that is true. When was he alive? Was it like 1500s? Yeah, I, I, I was going to say. Maybe. Uh, I was going to say before. Yeah, probably right around there. If that's what we both think. Well, what do you know? Mm-hmm. So they have this this ancient Greek key right mm-hmm. that they can work off of because yeah. they're like we know what this means but even with that it was still incredibly difficult to translate because of what i said before with hieroglyphics it can mean all these different things it mm-hmm. can represent a sound or a concept or a description of what was just said like yeah. there's all, all this variation to where you don't know what you're looking at that's really interesting it sounds like a more creative way of of writing like just more there's more options there's more creativity in how they decided to present things in the written word than just like literally just saying exactly what you would say out loud that's pretty cool yeah yeah i mean um i guess you could kind of compare it to and this is so stupid i apologize to (laughs) the the uh, greek people i mean the egyptian people uh but like emojis almost where Mm. it's a symbol where one symbol can uh can kind of say it all yeah, you know, like, that's actually, I don't know, that sounds like a good comparison to me because also emojis are, are they can have different meanings and things depending on what you, you know, the context that they're in and yeah, what the exactly. person intended when they put it there. Yeah. yeah. And how can you really, trans- even if there's an emoji that we all agree on its meaning in, you know, relatively we all agree, how do you translate it, you yeah. know? Yeah, that's cool. Right. Uh, a, a thumbs up emoji mm-hmm. at the end of a sentence probably just, you know, means like, oh, okay, this person's like being friendly and, and reassuring. Mm-hmm. Um, a thumbs up in response to something just means, okay, got mm-hmm. it. Uh, or yeah. it could be read as passive aggressive, like in, in context of what came before it, yeah. you know? So yeah, taking all that stuff into consideration, now you're looking at uh, a whole alphabet worth of symbols that that aren't a thumbs up. You mm-hmm. don't know what they mean. You have yeah. no idea what they mean. Um, so it took literally decades of effort to really? translate. Yeah. Even wow. with having the ancient Greek that they could understand, it still took over 20 years wow. to translate the Rosetta Stone. I guess what I also am kind of forgetting in this is that there are no computers at that no. time. Because even though it might still be the human brain that discovers how to get in there, you know there's, like, ways to algorithms and things to plug into computers that helps just, like, you know, even, like, password code breaking that can help you for uh, uh, speed up the process. Uh, And they didn't have that. This is just literally people with pen and paper, basically, trying to figure this out. Right. So, like we said, the French had to give it to the British in 1801, and they... They pretty much got on it immediately trying to decipher it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, you know, even before the French gave it to the British, they were already trying to figure out what it meant. Yeah. But uh, real scholars, like like you had said before, um, got on it in 1801 and, uh, again, took over 20 years. And I don't even know if we've said this yet, but but what what eventually came of it was using the, the Greek as a base mm-hmm. allowed them to translate both the demotic and the hieroglyphics to where now like we can 
not you and I, <laughs> uh, but people on Earth can read hieroglyphics. Wow. And that would have never happened uh, if it weren't for the Rosetta Stone. As far as I know, anyway. I don't know if... Uh, I shouldn't say never because for mm-hmm. all I know, there have been more things discovered uh, since 1799 that had multiple languages right there, you know, that would have allowed yeah. for this kind of translation. But... Either way, this is, this is what allowed it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. That's really cool. Now, do you know, does it ever say anywhere, like, what it said? Yeah, for sure. Uh, we'll get to that. Oh, okay. Cool. Uh, so these these two guys, basically, um, of course, a lot of people had a hand in it, mm-hmm. but two names are at the top when it comes to, like, deciphering mm-hmm. hieroglyphics. Um, one guy is a British guy named Thomas Young, and the other was a French guy named... Uh, Jean-Francois Champollion. (laughs) Okay. uh, So they kind of worked separately but together. Like Mm -hmm. I said, one's British, one's French. It's it's incredibly hard to to, um, like even understand what they did Mm -hmm. to translate this. So I'm not even going to try to like tell yeah. the story of it because it's it's as tedious and frustrating as it sounds i mean, I mean it's it code looked, breaking. took literally 20 years to yeah to translate like what amounts to like something you could read in literally f- probably four or five minutes <laughs> yeah. it took 20 years so <laughs> mm-hmm. you can imagine what those 20 years were like there yeah. are, there weren't a lot of like it's not a great story of them going through it but there were a couple of of uh sort of breakthroughs along mm-hmm. the way so the one of the big realizations came from these markings on the uh on the hieroglyphics known as uh cartouches and these this was realized by the guy thomas young so it's basically when you look at it it's you're you're just looking at a row of hieroglyphics but then some of them have like an oval around them with a line at the end of the oval oh fascinating um, and you're so, like what is that the end of a sentence what is it right is it? so you don't know what That's that cool. is um but he came to discover that 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 indicates that uh, that's the name of a royal person inside. Oh. So uh, Ptolemy was uh-huh. the royal name that he was able to recognize in Greek. And then, again, through just working through yeah. it piece by piece, realized that that is what that's saying inside that, that cartouche, that mm, oval, uh, was that it was saying Ptolemy right there. So it's like, okay, that's... And I, and I think there was already a theory out there that, that those were important names inside those circles. So once that was established, um, that's kind of like what they, they... They call that like a real point of figuring out that that is what that meant. So yeah. once they realized what cartouches were... Um, they knew there were names in other languages that they could read, so that that gave them a way in. Mm-hmm. You know, like having having knowing that that is Ptolemy in there, mm-hmm. and that is Ptolemy here. Now it's like, okay, well, Ptolemy spelled P T. That's how it begins, P T O. So it's like, okay, what's the P in here? What's the T in yeah. here? What's the O in here? And then that was like kind of a jumping off point. Did it even work that way, though? Were there even letters like that that corresponded? Yes and no. Uh, I mean, I shouldn't even say yes, because I don't know if there are letters that correspond. But Mm -hmm. like I said, hieroglyphics is a a mixture of all of these things. But like you have to start somewhere. So knowing that that was 
yeah the word right. Ptolemy in there they could, yeah. or that mm-hmm. meant Ptolemy it's like okay let's start there and try yeah. to work our way through this and obviously they did mm-hmm. uh I should mention that what made it even harder is that there were differences between these three texts, between the hieroglyphics, the Well, that's uh, rude. The least they could do is keep it consistent. In the Greek. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 saying the same thing, but they're not exactly Mm -hmm. word-for-word, letter-for-letter copies. Well, that's kind of... I guess that's always the case, right? Because in every language, you don't necessarily have words that mean the same exact thing, unless it's like super elementary thing you're writing but you know we always hear like oh there's no word for it in english but this word in german means this or this word in japanese means this and so you can't do direct translations all the time even when you see translations of things in something that you're familiar with whether you know if i'm like reading italian or something it isn't direct a lot of the time. You read it and you're like, well, it's not exactly what it said, but maybe that's like the closest way to really get the meaning across to these people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's the same in, in even, like you run into that in English, like going from English to Spanish, you know, you might there might be an English phrase that is two words long, but then that same word, right. that same phrase in Spanish has a like de la in the middle of it, mm-hmm. you know? So if you were, if you again, if you knew nothing of either of them, you would not look at that and think that that was just saying you wouldn't know yeah, that was saying yeah. the same thing because there's four words there but there's right, only two right, there so yeah man so, it's hard right i know i hope it's I'm hard painting to the translate picture. <laughs> uh so what does it say what yeah, does the rosetta Stone i really want to know it better not say something goofy it's not goofy but it's also not exciting at really all. oh yeah. man um, it's which, not like the secret to life right it was probably a huge letdown when they realized yeah. that yeah uh you know of course when you're going through this you i can't even imagine the anticipation right? of finding out what it's saying and yeah. like you said it, the, it's the secret to life or some great philosophy thing or some like yeah. amazing historical record that nobody knew about mm-hmm. or some brilliant story anything right but uh it's not that exciting Okay. So it was uh, carved in adoration of Ptolemy the Fifth uh, Epiphanes. That's his name. That's his official name. Ptolemy the Fifth Epiphanes. Oh wow! So Who he knew? he was the ruler of the empire that was established in the area after Alexander the Great. Okay. Took hold of Egypt. Mm-hmm. Um, I saw it called political propaganda. I saw it called. Uh, Tax paperwork. <laughs> um, you're right. Tax paperwork. It's not 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 as exciting as one would hope. They not be- at all. No, they believe that it was written by a council of priests when uh, Ptolemy the Fifth was in power, which would have been, uh, or they think it was that it was written in 196 BC. Okay. Got it. Got it. Um, I read it. Well, I read most of it. It's really mm-hmm. not interesting. <laughs> it's cool to read knowing what it is, yeah. but, but for the content of what you're reading, it's not interesting. Uh-huh. It's um, it's so it's obviously broken down line by line. Like when you go read uh-huh. it, yeah, uh, and it's really just these people again. They believe it was a council of priests mm-hmm. singing Ptolemy's praises, like, like yeah, give so. Us, the give first four lines is just an introduction of like. Ptolemy, so awesome, <laughs> son of the other Ptolemy, son of Cleopatra, son of God, the picture of uh, of Zeus, Ptolemy, man, he rules. Okay. Uh, and then it goes on to 
to list off all of these reasons why he's great. He oh provides God. for the temple. He um, he eases up taxes. He took away some taxes <laughs> so that the people would be prosperous while he was in reign. Uh, all of this is about taxes. He, Nothing ever changes. <laughs> he uh, calmed tensions that started under his predecessor, who I assume was Ptolemy the Fourth. Oh, um, he freed people of charges against them, people who had been in... Like, this is, like, what it's saying, like, like people who had been in jail for a long time or had charges against them, he freed them of those charges. Like, in... I forget how many lines it is. I don't know, 40 uh-huh. or 50 lines or something oh, wow, like that. Oh, wow, that's a lot. Just stuff like that. Um, well, I mean, I might be falling for the propaganda, but he sounds like a good dude. He honestly <laughs> does, yeah. Uh, the priests then go on to declare to honor... Uh, Ptolemy celebrate his birthday, construct statues for him, sing his praises like wherever they go. Like they just are in love with this guy. Yeah, it was. A, it was. Um. Yeah, they were. They were into him. Wow. So. So, do they have an idea of why? Like, is it just to ensure that anyone and everyone who came across it could read it? Why did they do it in the three different languages? Uh, that's a good question, and I don't know the answer. I think. Um, yeah, I think probably the same reason you would write something in three languages today. Kinda, yeah, like uh, now we always have, like, we live in Los Angeles and everything is basically in English and Spanish. Probably the same thing then. Yeah, that's what I would think. Yeah, but most things aren't 50 lines here. It just says, like, be careful, the floor is wet. <laughs> that is true. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know what the original context was. Like, I don't know where this was originally seen by people that um, is a letdown that content man i yeah. thought, i mean you happy re- for telling me but it reminds me of being in like a museum like a modern museum and a plaque on the wall that's like thank you to our generous donors like yeah like one of yeah. those things like uh-huh. that's kind of what it reminds me of or like the thing i saw that called it political propaganda like a a, a pamphlet a leaflet or whatever yeah. that is just talking about a candidate and all the great I mean, things they've done. This is exactly what this sounds like. Totally you get those propaganda. things around election time, and it's like the big yeah. picture of the person on the back. Then you flip over, and it's like mm-hmm. has been working with the blah 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 since 1997. Yeah. Has has raised over 14 million dollars for this group. Like what? Like that's exactly what this sounds like, right? Yeah. Yeah. Pretty weird. Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird, especially. I guess it might also be lost to history in the sense of. Now it feels like you took the time to carve 50 lines in three languages in a stone. It should say something meaningful, but maybe but maybe that was a lot more common then. That's just how you wrote things down. Yeah, that's that's I mean, I can I can't imagine how hard it is to carve something in stone, right? Yeah, like that sounds really extremely hard. difficult and time-consuming and and but that was just how they did it. Right. So everything that was written yeah. was literally Can written. Can you imagine so. finishing the Greek one and probably Ptolemy is like, that's great, but I'd like to see it in demotic and hieroglyphics too. And <laughs> is like, my fingers are down to nubs. <laughs> yeah. They they must have had paper back. Yeah. Well, they had sure. papyrus. They, yeah. They for sure had things yeah, to write on other Yeah, that's not going to be good enough stone. for Ptolemy. He's yelling at No, them. and also not for something like this. That's going to be a permanent yeah. fixture. Um, yeah, I know. It, it, it's wild. It's, it's really it's, yeah, interesting. It's, I, it's so cool, though, that, that it still exists. That you oh, can still yeah, go totally. look at it. Um, 
it's incomplete. Did you know that? Yeah. I mean, if you've I seen it before, because if you see the stone, like uh-huh. I described the dimensions, three foot nine by two foot five yeah. by 11 inches thick, but it's not a, a rectangle by any means, a, an even rectangle, you uh-huh. know, it's, it's, um, it's busted off on both sides, on practically all four sides. It's, oh, wow. it's broken off and yeah, that's just how they found it. It could have been broken right 1800 yeah, years ago yeah. nobody knows um but so is there it's, is it's, there a fourth language that they think is gone uh no i don't think oh, so okay. I, it's weird so there's probably only about 60 70 percent of it maybe is is what wow. we have um it's a lot so i think there are 14 lines of hieroglyphics on it uh as opposed to i think like 30 plus lines 40 plus lines maybe of the other languages so a lot of the hieroglyphics are are missing missing. um so they didn't even have the full passage to work off of in their translation yeah that probably made it a lot harder for sure um but yeah it's it's interesting because they do these reconstructions of it Mm -hmm. online like you can see it'll be the rosetta stone uh, and then, like, a drawing that kind of fills mm-hmm. in what's missing. And they fill it in, like, like I said, in these reconstructions, the real stone only makes up, like, 60-70% of it. I don't know why they assume it was that much bigger. Yeah. Um, How would they know? And it does seem like, like, when you see these these reconstructions, it does look like there's a lot more on the hieroglyphic side than, or not side, but, like, it, they leave a lot of room for the hieroglyphics on top because that's the pat, that's the language that's first on this stone. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. I mean, maybe the hieroglyphics just took up a lot more room. I, yeah. I, honestly, in all my research, I didn't really get a chance to like look closely at the stone, which mm-hmm. I definitely want to do. Um, but maybe it's just that like hieroglyphics literally take, take up twice as much space. room as as the other languages do. Um, so because otherwise, I don't know why they'd be projecting it to be as big yeah. as it is in these reconstructions. Well, also, it's they... totally just guessing because it's like in these reconstructions, it's got like a decorative top and like these large symbols up top that it's like yeah. there's absolutely no way of, of right. assuming that would be there other than, I guess, if you're basing it off of similar things. Yeah, I was going to say they they know way more about this than we do. So maybe they have, I'm sure I they doubt have it. good I just reason. spent a good 30 minutes reading about it. <laughs> oh, boy. I said that it was two guys, uh, Thomas Young and mm-hmm. Jean-Francois Champion. Mm-hmm. Um, he, the the French guy, I'm done saying that name. Mm-hmm. He he is the one who's credited with actually delivering the full translation. Mm-hmm. And that was in 1882. So 21 years after uh, the French gave it back to the British. Yeah. Oh, okay. And, and almost 100 years after it was discovered. No, 1799 it was discovered. Yeah, 1882 it was cracked. That's almost 100 years later. Listen to yourself. 1799 to yeah. 1880. Sorry, oh, my bad. Am I saying 82? <laughs> yeah. Oh, 22. I'm sorry. Oh. I was like, she's lost her mind. You've lost your mind. I know. It's a good thing I called you out on that. Yeah, for real. Uh, 1822, I'm okay. sorry. So, 23 years after it yes. was discovered. Okay. 21 years after um, after it made its way to Europe mm-hmm. is when it was translated. Now... I apologize for that yeah, whole... Yeah, you should. Crazy thing. Because of that, I'm going to bring up what 
I hope some people talked about at some point in your research, which is, did anyone ever talk to any Egyptians about this? Did anyone ever contemplate, you know, getting their take on it? Or did we just bring it straight to England? About about translating it? Yeah, about the stone, about what it is, about what the languages are. Um, I didn't... I didn't come across anything specifically talking about that, but the people who were in uh, London and France working mm-hmm. on this were like had already been trying to figure out hieroglyphics. So mm-hmm. I think that if anybody alive could read hieroglyphics, they would know. I mean, people were trying to figure out hieroglyphics like in the like 14th century. People yeah. were taking stabs at it and like thinking that they were making strides but then a hundred years later it'd be like no that's that's that doesn't work anymore and then a hundred years after that somebody else would come out with like a theory so i think Mm -hmm. this had long long been lost and people like like i said 500 years 300 years before it was even found people in egypt were trying to understand hieroglyphics and and Mm -hmm. not being able to because again they had no basis they didn't have this translation this this uh other language greek right that was still readable to work off of. yeah of course so but... no i don't think they not to my knowledge did they consult with any mm-hmm. egyptian people but also to my knowledge like n- nobody had a clue yeah nobody on earth but to be fair i just want to point it out that you know uh, hopefully things have changed today but it's not super cool to come onto someone's land find a really amazing artifact and immediately be like well this is ours now goodbye and take it and now it's in the british museum so well, that's all I had to make a point of. You would agree you. with Egyptian officials. Good. Who I do. In, uh, <laughs> all, all through the 2000s, basically, mm-hmm. have been making attempts at getting the Rosetta Stone um, at least to make an appearance in Egypt. It hasn't <laughs> been in Egypt in, what is it now, over 200 years? Right. And when you hear that, that's wrong, right? It doesn't sound great. Uh, yeah. So... They've tried to get the stone back to no avail. Mm-hmm. Uh, they opened a museum in Giza, which mm-hmm. is where the pyramids are, yeah. of course. Um, that is, I would imagine, the exact type of museum that you would think it would be. It's ready for um, it. It's got a stand already. They, says Rosetta Stone under it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, there's an empty spot there. Well, funny <laughs> enough. Uh, so, like I said, all through the 2000s, they've been making efforts to get it back. They, they've asked for it uh, for three months they've they've put it out there that like they want to borrow it for three months but like they eventually would like to work towards an agreement to get it back Mm -hmm. and they've just never even been allowed to to get their hands on it but Mm -hmm. in 2005 london uh or i guess england i don't know somebody Mm -hmm. from england (laughs) sent them a uh plastic replica (laughs) i know that is horrible is that not the biggest slap in the face it's like we can make our own damn replica yeah yeah they sent them a plastic replica that is probably sitting in that that uh rosetta stone slot in this museum they the egyptians should send it back and be like perfect for you give us the real one (laughs) that's funny i know but, but you're right um but like I said, they would like to obviously get it back in Egypt permanently, mm-hmm. which does seem right. Uh, man, I wish I wrote this down because I was reading about this topic exactly of mm-hmm. of artifacts 
yeah. residing in museums far away from, I mean, from their ancestral land. You yeah. Know? And the British Museum in particular, I think, is a is a Well, it's all over. It's the British yeah. Museum. Oh, no. It's, it's the Louvre. definitely it's all the Met over. in New York City. It's everywhere. City. We and, all yeah, know it's, it's it. Yeah. All, it's every museum in the world has mm-hmm. things from other parts of the world, and that's one of the great things about museums. Right. But then there are but some, But it's not like, great when they were, when it's because of colonialism and imperialism that we got our hands on these things and we forcibly took them, and now we're saying, oh, they're ours. You don't right. get to get them back. And I came across a quote that was like, it's, it seemed like almost like a joint release from all of these museums we just named. Mm -hmm. And, uh, I didn't even really understand the quote, so I'm not even going to talk about this anymore because I don't, I can't sum it up properly. But it was basically, (laughs) it was basically saying like, yeah, we know this is weird, like, like, Mm -hmm. but these were, these items were like taken at a time, like, that is not this time mm-hmm. like they were taken under a different context and like and now they're being seen by the whole world so yeah. like like that that was kind of their stance and that was a horrible um right some summarization I mean, of that i think quote, but i think we all can obviously get behind the idea of we don't want to say everything egyptian should only be in egypt and they are the only ones who should be able to show it and every country should only have its own things and that's it but if it's artifacts from a certain country, maybe they should be in another country um, with the uh, – what am I trying to say? I don't with know. The, uh, I'm, I'm like the country agreed to give it to them. You know? They yeah. said, yes, you may have that. Then it's great. Yeah. Or, I mean, this sounds ridiculous, but like just spitballing to be like, okay – we're going to keep the Rosetta Stone, but let's make it on paper officially yours, but we're never going to give it back, but we'll pay you like $10 million a year to like keep yeah, it Yeah, I know, mean, like if stuff, that would make them like happy, deals yeah. like that could uh-huh. like surely be made, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah. Just, it's just like, yeah, I get it that they're saying it was taken in a different time, yes, but now that we're in this time, maybe we can try and make it right. Yeah. Instead of just being like, well, now we're here. Yeah, I definitely think there's room for, for, yeah. for that. And I'm sure that does happen way more than we would ever hear because we never hear but i'm sure that yeah. happens all the time where where pieces get sent back to i hope other so lands like to i don't museums know that it that does starting but... up I'm, i i bet museums have so much crap though it's like no that's why i feel like it's even more reason to give them back <laughs> yeah yeah i mean with something like that though I get it. I'm it's all, obvious. I'm all for we it know staying why in, they want to keep it. Yeah, because I'm it brings for, tourists. That's in. what I'm saying. I'm all yeah. for it being in Egypt forever. Oh. But, um, but like, I guess it's a big ask in the grand scheme of artifacts that are out yeah. there. It's like, oh, I totally understand why London doesn't want to give it up. Oh, of Not course I right, understand you know? why they don't want to give it up. But, you know, if you were to put it into different context where you're like, I just stole this Lamborghini and I've had it for 20 years and I love it and then the person who rightfully owns it is like oh well I want it back you get why the person who stole it doesn't want to give it back because they like having a Lamborghini but you are the law student who taught me what that if you steal something (laughs) and possess it for like X amount of years without protest of its rightful owner then it actually is yours that's land that's adverse possession and that's an american law that's not about taking other countries land but yes if you're (laughs) if you're encroaching on your neighbor's land and they don't notice just keep encroaching on it for 10 years and as long as they don't protest you can have it i don't know if you're allowed to say that actually if they do protest you can have it sorry 
Let's I, stop with the legal uh Yeah, I can't give advice, advice on this <laughs> podcast. I'm gonna be disbarred before I ever make it. Oh boy. Alright, we got a little off topic there, but I think it was worth it. And Me too. um yeah, that was great. I really feel great about that. I'm so happy I know more about the Rosetta Stone now. Yeah, me too. I, I mean, this was a very... I, this feels like a quintessential episode for yeah, us. Yeah, it was super fun. Yeah. I really liked it. Thank you. Well, thank you for suggesting it. Did somebody give that topic to you, or did um, you come up with that all on your own? I think I maybe came up with it on my own. Nice. Yeah. But, you know, we've all been thinking it, let's be honest. <laughs> Follow us on Instagram at 30 Minute Expert Podcast, where you can see cool photos of all the things we talked about today. And send us suggestions for future episodes. Also, if you're a real-life expert on one of the topics we covered, write to us and let us know what we missed. You can email us at 30MinutexpertPodcast, that's 30MinutexpertPodcast at gmail.com. If it's something especially interesting, maybe we'll read it on the show. If you're enjoying the podcast, please subscribe. And if you're really enjoying it, write a review. Thanks so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye.